So nice to see all of you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have this opportunity once again to gather together to hear from the Lord a message that comes straight from the throne room. I'm Pastor Sam Kyung, and I thank God I have this opportunity to share with you in this continuing series on 2 Thessalonians. The MUFW 24-7 Praise and Worship that started small but have snowballed purely by the grace of God into more than 40 days of continuous worship unto the Lord and intercession for our nation. I trust that all of you would have a one time or another, if not daily, logged on to pray and worship together with other churches in and around Malaysia. This 42 days 24-7 online event allowed everyone that logged in not only a glimpse into the uniqueness and the heartfelt longings of various Christian assemblies, but also to pray and worship together with them. I don't know about you, but I definitely felt a sense of belonging and unity as I joined them. I was just so encouraged by their genuineness and enthusiasm, especially by our non-English speaking brethren. If you were to, let's just encourage one another by engaging in the online chat by typing Amen or some other comments. Hallelujah. You know, even without this technology, the Apostle Paul in his time was already going from town to city and from church to church, fellowshipping and worshipping as we do. And as he did so, he too would have gone through a whole gamut of emotions, seeing in real life all their challenges, sufferings, celebrations and rejoicings. Often, he was in churches going through the most difficult of circumstances that he found reasons to give thanks and rejoice because God, Jesus Christ, is in the middle of it all. Amen? Let's commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we want to thank you that you have caused us even to spread your word far and wide beyond the confines of the walls of a physical church, Lord. That today we can share from your precious scripture, a message that comes from you, the Lord that I, your servant, your mouthpiece, may not even add on a bit or take away from it. As Lord, as we all in our own place, where you place us, sit beneath the shadow of the cross and hear of the word that comes from your throne. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as I was talking about Paul going from church to church, one particular church was in Thessalonica, where a small gathering of Christians encountered severe persecution, being one of the earliest churches planted by Paul. As he left the fellowship, his heart remained with them, and he wrote his first letter to encourage them. That episode ended on a very warm pastoral and intimate note, as was shared by Pastor Chu a fortnight ago. If you've not heard that sermon, may I encourage you to go look it up on our website. Then Paul wrote this second letter, carrying the same theme of strengthening and encouraging the Thessalonians Christians in the midst of them facing severe challenges. Last week, we preached from chapter 1 about how God's judgment is still right, though expressed in persecutions and trials of the Christians. Because our sovereign God, is in control. The chastising brought about favourable outcomes, such as 
the formation of genuine Christian character when faith, love, and perseverance increase amongst the Thessalonians. And the Christians were greatly strengthened with the assurance that our just God would ensure that those persecuting would eventually be punished. I think as Pastor Lee puts it, payback time will come. And then, those that are being persecuted would eventually be vindicated and experience the exceedingly great joy of Jesus upon his second coming. Hallelujah. Wow. Those were heroes of faith, worthy to be mentioned along with Abraham and the saints in Revelation. And there are also more heroes of faith in our present times. Times of global crisis, uncertainties, and severe challenges. Are you one of them? I have this image of those facing persecution and trials as likened to go all being refined in a fiery furnace, burning away the dross before emerging as pure, fine gold, and then molded into a glorious crown for their owner, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1.7, Though these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, as I recall this verse, it was spoken to me by an elder of my previous church. And it was just after, when I was 24, a very young Christian at the time, received a phone call out of the blue. When I was still in my medical studies, I was posted to Bunting, and I had this phone call. I was called to the phone. I was told my father just passed away. At the time, he was the sole breadwinner. And I had my mother, who is not working, and my younger sister was also studying. Suddenly, there was this crisis in our family. There was no further income. There was no insurance, little savings. And on top of that, I was the only Christian in the family. And I was the only son. And according to Chinese tradition, that posed a major problem when it comes to funerals. And all my relatives would frown upon, why would this person do anything other than the traditional Chinese funeral? I consulted my church elder. That's when he shared this with me, this same verse. And I felt I was caught in this situation, like in a burning furnace, no way out. But God is faithful. God is faithful. The elder advised me to have a Christian funeral. And he said that so that the gospel could be preached. At that time, I had severe material and spiritual needs that had to be met. But God is in control of that situation. And he met all my needs, one by one, step by step along the way. Over these many years since I've known my Lord Jesus Christ. During that funeral, I was about the only Christian other than the pastor and a few church workers. The whole hall was filled with my father's relatives, my mother's relatives were non-Christian. God has ministered to them even through that event. Today, almost many of my, my mother's siblings became, uh, became Christians, including my cousins on my father's side too. And many uncles and aunties also became Christian, including my father's only sister who was standing by us during the time. She came to know the Lord. And not only that, the Lord provided step by step, though it was difficult, 
we, we gathered some money together and we started off, we completed my studies and I started working in government service. But step by step, the Lord provided not only just for me, but even for the next generation. My children had a proper education, even going on to tertiary education. And today, all of them are married with their own families, even to the third generation. God has been faithful and has everything in His plans that God will bring us up and see us through any severe challenge, difficult situations, which we thought were impossible to start off with. Hallelujah. All praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is in control. Even at times when we feel that as if we are in a fiery furnace. How about you? Do you feel yourself being put in a fiery furnace recently? You know when Daniel's three friends were thrown into a blazing hot furnace in Daniel chapter 3, who was the fourth person seen together that saw them through unharmed? It was the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and you can find that in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, that was working behind the scene and totally in control. Now, can you picture yourself thereafter, eventually, as the pure, refined gold? Can you picture that? Do I hear a yes and an amen? Do I see it on online chat? If you do, put it on the online chat. Encourage one another. Hallelujah. The promises of the Lord God Almighty are yes and amen. And he who promised is always faithful on his part of the covenant. Are you covenanted to Jesus Christ? If so, then he shall always watch over you and never fail nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Today, we shall be looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In this part of the scripture, we can deduce from Paul's writings that there appears to be some crisis of belief and disagreement over what must happen in the last days, leading to confusion and anxiety among the community. Added to the problems were those being shaken in their faith due to deceit and severity of the persecution they faced, albeit the latter was addressed in chapter 1 last week. So here, Paul exercises his pastoral authority and encourages as he did the Thessalonians, with three reminders and a final exhortation. Stand firm and hold fast. What are the three warnings in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? They are, first, don't be alarmed. The first two verses, and then in the next two verses, don't be deceived. Also carrying on to verses 9 and 10. And finally, the third reminder is, don't be forgetful. Verses 5 to 8, subsequently 10 to 12. Start off with, don't be alarmed. Let's read from the Bible. If you have a Bible with you, or if you see the words on the screen, read together with me. Chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, now being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. What are we told not to be unsettled by? Don't be alarmed by someone interpreting the Bible other than a conventional way. This is not to say that every interpretation is acceptable. Not so. We must always verify scripture with scripture. It's just don't be unsettled or thrown off equilibrium by something that's different or false teachings, instructions, or religious news, whether in the form of prophecy, spoken verbally, or over the social media. It is as real now 
as it was for the Thessalonians. Although for them, it was controversy surrounding the day of the Lord. In fact, there are just as many unsettling controversies during this period of crisis when physical engagement is limited due to social distancing. Even in the context of the church currently, it is definitely harder to verify genuineness of intentions, teachings, and instructions with a whole buffet of teachings and services easily available online. We're living in an era of postmodernism, immersed in a post-truth culture where absolute truth, like the biblical truth, becomes frequently set aside and replaced by relative truths or pluralism. In plain English, you have your truth, I have mine, and let's stick to it. All truths eventually lead to the one truth. As a result of all this, we are drawn into a world of fake news. The church today is not spared. As much as church is drawn into the world, this post-truth world also creeps into the church. And we are warned, do not be alarmed, but be alert. Politics, social economical issues, and almost everything else has infiltrated into the ecclesia or global church, leading to gossip, slander, partisan attitudes, fear, dissensions, divisions, and disunity. Take the alignment of the American churches with certain candidates during the recent presidential elections, for example, or them with the anti-vaccination lobby. Social political issues have overshadowed the spiritual concerns of many churches there, making them no different from any other secular institutions, making them perhaps even more irrelevant. On top of that, internal dissension and confusion arise, dividing congregations and even nations as history has repeatedly shown. May the Lord forbid politics and controversial human rights issues from coming into our Malaysian churches. Amen. And that's what our 24-7 firewall, the MUFW, it's about. We pray that, Lord, that you spare us, that you make our hearts pure, that you keep our hands clean, Lord God, and they come with nothing else, not our own agenda, but yours, God. Oh, brothers and sisters, may I encourage you to just join in and log in. If you have not done it before, do it today even. The proof of this prevalent post-truth culture is also there in your smartphones. Just take a glance at the flurry of messages coming through the various chat groups. Many of the chat groups, including some Christian ones and social media platforms, have contents that are pretty unsettling, if true. And yet, there's a large proportion of them being fake news. Don't become part of this post-truth culture by mindlessly forwarding social media postings without verifying their sources and applying dissent. Romans 1.28.32 reminds us that for those that did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God and instead give in to the ways of the world, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do not do what ought to be done. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. And they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. 
Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And mind you, Scripture here is speaking to Christians. This description of the unsettled, of worldly mind from Scripture itself may sound drastic, but God didn't put them there without reason. If you were to step back and to think about it, they're actually the end result of those whose minds are not given in to the retain the retainment of the knowledge of God, but instead drawn over to the world by relative truths. May I encourage us all here not to be drawn into it, nor be alarmed by it. God in His wisdom has anticipated all this and is absolutely in control with the plan for you. He's telling us to exercise wisdom and discernment. And if lacking, ask. Ask according to James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Remember, ask and you shall receive. Amen. But coming back to the day of the Lord that's described here, it refers to the second coming or return of the Lord Jesus Christ, this time in judgment of those that have not acknowledged Him as Messiah or Saviour. Now whether to the Jews or Gentiles during Paul's time, or to those that are not Christians today, it is a day to be dreaded. And leading to it would be turbulent times of upheaval and tribulation, equivalent to the persecution and trials the Thessalonian Christians experienced. So it was not entirely surprising that they thought the day of the Lord has come. Presently, that the entire council of the New Testament, from the Gospels to Revelation, which wasn't available to the Thessalonians then. In addition, the Old Testament and the illumination of the Holy Spirit upon our minds help complete the big picture. The scenarios may change, but the matter at hand remains the same. God is in control and He has a plan. Whether it was the Thessalonians or us wondering if tribulation has started and the return of the Lord Jesus imminent, the crux of the matter, the crux of the matter is not whether you are in it or not. Rather, are you prepared for it? Are you prepared for it? Are, are you unsettled or alarmed? Are you running halted skelter, like we always say, hate this chicken? Are you being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine? Oh, you hear this, you know, vaccine is good. Wow, we go for it. No, no, to hear vaccine is bad. No, we shouldn't go for it. Do not be so. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us. Then, when you're settled in the Lord, the second reminder Paul tells us is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Where does he say so? In verses 3 and 4. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will come. Well, that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God and his worship, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. 
And going down to verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, says the Bible. What is this great deceit that we are warned to look out for? It's about the nature of the man of lawlessness and the way he presents himself before the Lord Jesus returns. Being a master of deception, he goes by other names, the man of sin, the son of perdition, as King James Version puts it, the beast and the fierce-looking king by the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 8. While John in Revelation 13 also calls the man of lawlessness a beast because he sets himself up against Jesus subsequently, he is also known as the Antichrist. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God that's religious. But he uses religion and every object of worship. And he does the work of Satan to counterfeit power and signs and miracles against every sort of evil deception using every sort of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. But certainly we are not on the way to destruction, are we? And we will not be fooled. Because some of these works you would already be aware of if you had been attending the Revelation series. While some of you may have no idea who is at all. So, I'll be doing you a great disservice if I do not equip you the best I can from the scripture to recognize this man of lawlessness should he appear in your lifetime. Now, who is this man of lawlessness? First of all, he's an individual person. He's an actual person and he embodies the spirit of rebellion against God's law, lawlessness. Not only does he openly ignore or set aside the biblical instructions and laws, he also covertly twists and turns God's precepts to his liking to make it sound palatable, when in fact, it is frank disobedience. An example would be the ongoing LGBTQIA debates happening all around the world. It grieves me greatly to hear that the church of a certain denomination in UK have begun to approve of and accept same-sex marriages, even just as recent as a week ago. This man of lawlessness will also oppose God and will exalt himself, putting himself forward as the God. And as a means to the end, he takes his seat in the temple of God, which to us may mean the church. As in 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that. We have to uphold biblical principles always to guard what God has given us as a precious treasure and to safeguard not only that word of God, but also our church leadership from falling under his power. Then thirdly, he comes in the energy and power of Satan with supernatural signs and wonders. He is a good copy machine. He is not Satan himself. All his works are counterfeit, not because they are miraculous, but because they don't point to truth. They lie, spinning a whole web of deception. In a way, this modus operandi is very much like the large Trojan horse left at the gate of the besieged city of Troy. You remember the story written by Homer in Iliad? By the invading Greek army from Sparta as an apparent peace offering, and then the Greek army pretended to leave in the navy armada. The unsuspecting Trojans 
Then in all their foolishness, they took the horse into the center of their fortified city, which the Greek army could not conquer for 10 years. And then in the middle of that very same night, an elite group of Spartan soldiers hidden in the horse came out, fought their way to the city gates, opened it for the hidden Spartan army that revealed itself at that time and it invaded into the city, leading to the defeat and complete sacking of Troy. In modern day terms, many of us have encounters with the Trojan viruses. That's where the name comes from. These viruses come into our digital devices initially as harmless apps that assist us, but later turn out to be malicious programs that corrupt and sometimes destroy our computer systems. Such is the intention of the man of lawlessness for our lives. So we have to be alert and stand firm always. Why? In the confidence and hope that we have in Jesus Christ. For we know how it all ends. That's why it makes it all worthwhile. He is our living hope. You may ask me, the pastor, so how it all, how will it all pan out eventually? That comes to the third reminder found in verses 5 to 8 and then 10 to 12 in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's read it now. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, that's the man of lawlessness, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until it's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. And then he talks about those who will be led astray. They will perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved in verse 10. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will be believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. You could almost feel the father heart of Apostle Paul as he said, don't you remember when I was with you? There were fond memories of the Thessalonian Christians, listening eagerly and hungrily digesting God's word when Paul departed to them earlier. Now, does that sound familiar to you? But as persecution and uncertainties came along, the cares of the world came along, Paul had to remind them again, as much as we are reminded today, that God is in control. Firstly, even as I speak, Antichrist is now being restrained until his appointed time. He's not in control when it comes to unleashing his wickedness. God is in charge and holds him back until we, you and I, his people, are prepared, equipped, and ready for the battle ahead. The bride of Christ must be ready for that. And then ultimately, it is the power of God that sets the times and the seasons for the last days. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 to 8 says this, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Then the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by his appearing and his coming. Wow, the sheer power of the returning king. We heard about it in Revelation, right? The past two was 
teaching us that in Revelations 19.15, it says, Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Don't be forgetful that at the point of Jesus' return, there is renewed hope associated with the complete destruction of the Antichrist. Full payback time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, in verse 3, 2 Thessalonians 2, the scripture also assures us that the man of lawlessness is doomed to destruction, just as surely as his character is lawless. His destiny is destruction. Let us be careful that we do not follow his ways, as those that follow will perish along with him. But you ask, aren't they Christians? Why do they perish? Paul's answer at the end of verse 10 is that they refuse to love the truth. Not to know the truth, but to love the truth. Literally, they did not welcome a love for the truth. So it's not merely an issue of knowing or believing in a merely mental sense. It's an issue of loving. It's a response of our heart to a God that represents absolute truth who's always there. It's sovereign as in control of everything. Our hearts need to be engaged in knowing God and loving His truth. For if it is just hate knowledge, the heart is then open to the man of lawlessness' deception. When a heart is open to deceit, one becomes very vulnerable. And this has led to many professing Christians living their truth and following falsehood. Our only defense, our only defense is to develop a deeper desire for God. If Christ is our portion and our treasure, if we hold Him so dearly, if He satisfies our longings, if we are grateful to Him, if we are thankful for everything that God has done in our life, if we know that He is a good God and we love the glory of His gospel, the good news, then the mystery of lawlessness will not overcome us. Our love will never grow cold and endure to the end and be saved. May the Lord grant us all to receive the love of the truth. May your heart be engaged in loving the truth. Amen. As we close today, we have been reminded that through every situation, that when we are hard-pressed or severely challenged, Jesus has already triumphed over them all and He stands by our side. God is in control always and we are encouraged through His work in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. First of all, not to be alarmed, not to be deceived, and not to be forgetful of all that has been imparted to us. This chapter also ends with the encouragement in verse 50. So then, brothers and sisters, Stand firm and hold fast to the teachings that we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. This short phrase, stand firm and hold fast, reminds me of how tall coconut trees can survive the ravages of heavy rain, tropical storms like what we see in our country. 
They sway and bend under the power of vicious winds and rain, but rarely are they uprooted or destroyed. They're very hardy and resilient through most storms and even floods. You know, you remember seeing pictures at the tsunami after Archie that hit Archie? And at the end of it, you see coconut trees still hanging around. And people even related stories of hanging on to coconut trees, even in this severe tsunami. These storms, floods, tsunamis are like the crisis and persecution that come into our lives. How do these coconut trees survive? Huh? First of all, it's because they have a deep root system. They're like Christians grounded in God's love, who would then intentionally make the effort to be connected to other parts of the body of Christ, whether it be in cell, in ministry, in church itself, or in church plans, or even going out on missions. They would want to be connected. Even though it is social restrictions, there are many, many ways of being connected. Heed the words of the writer of Hebrews chapter 10, when he says, let not neglect to meet together often, encouraging one another as we do so, with hymns and with praises, and with God's word all the more as the day draw closer. It's also because these coconut trees have a unique pith in the long tree trunks, allowing for efficient water and nutrient transportation all the way to the top and for malleability, reminding us as disciples of Christ to grow and move according to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It takes perseverance and an unwavering daily effort to befriend the Holy Spirit. After all, the Holy Spirit is also a person in the Trinitarian Godhead. I had personally that intimate encounter with him during Malam Pentecost in the biggest way I could remember in my entire life. That was in Kuching, 2019, when Pastor Philip Mantova ministered through the works of the Holy Spirit that evening. You need to have such regular encounters with the Holy Spirit too. And where can you find them? Come for the prayer altars. Come, log in to the Malaysian United Firewall, 24-7 praise. It's still one more week to go. It's not too late. Come and join in. Oh, you begin to feel the presence of God manifested wherever you are in your household. That becomes a holy sanctuary. You begin to move in accordance to the will and sovereign design of Lord God Almighty. That's, those are wonderful opportunities for you to have encountered. And lastly, the coconut palm discard their fronds or their leaves in high winds and raging storms to reduce the resistance, so in order to survive. It's a trade-off, but fronds can always grow back. This teaches us of a willingness to let go of our worldly attachments and pride at first instance, in exchange for overcoming a storm. Philippians 2 verses 3 to 4 reminds us to imitate Christ in doing nothing out of selfish ambition, all vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In the words of C.S. Lewis, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Think more of others. In challenging times like this, COVID crisis, needs abound everywhere. Right now, we have this white flag movement. You can see them as you move around town. 
or is to go out to buy food. That's a call out for help. And there's a call out for volunteers who would think less of themselves, but more of others. Would you join in too? Would you be one too? Many of us would have heard of Judith Halim from Singapore, either through the YouTube or some other social media platform. She's a pastor currently, but has a tremendous challenging journey in her past that speaks of resilience, fortitude, and perseverance solely due to the work of Jesus Christ in her life. When we had a chance to invite her and speak to her over Zoom, she said that I will come to speak, but I can only speak of Jesus because I, without Jesus, there's nothing else that she can speak of. So if you have not heard of her or would like to watch her and watch her tell her story, register in this link on the slide that's shown and then log in at 7pm on the 22nd of July, Thursday, as she testifies for Jesus during the live talk by Workplace at the River. To come and listen to how God worked His miraculous transformation in her and through her family. So dear friends, you are also precious in God's sight because of God's mark, His imprimata is on you. Like those in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, when each individual has God's name written on their foreheads. He has a sovereign plan and is going to carry it out in and through you to the very end of time. Hallelujah! But you ask, why you? Because you have already been chosen to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and called to share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't refuse the invitation, yeah? And if you happen to be unsure if you've actually been invited by God before, and especially if you think you're not a Christian, let me confirm today that you are also in God's plan because you feel this prompting in your heart. And you may want to pray this simple prayer with me sincerely. Ask the Lord Jesus today. The same Lord Jesus will return on the great day of the Lord to pronounce judgment. Ask Him for forgiveness and mercy. Right now, today, don't hesitate any longer. If you are that person, wherever you are, you might want to just close your eyes and say this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I realize that you have a plan for me and I feature greatly in your plan because you have been pursuing me with your love all this while. I realize too that you have died on the cross for my sins and now I'm forgiven because I want you to come into my life. Please do so now, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Now you have said that prayer in your heart or even out aloud, I would like you to tell a Christian friend about it later. Or, if you are alone by yourself, can you just come into our prayer altar in this link below and tell one of our leaders or pastors about your decision and we will pray along with you. We just love to help you along in your new journey with Jesus Christ. And for all of us who are out there, we are now coming into this fifth week of our current lockdown. And I realize that there are many of you out there that are logging today with significant needs, great needs. Some of them may be material, 
Some of them may be emotional. Some of them may be spiritual. At this point, I just want to pray for you as we close. Can I do so? Can we just close our eyes and commit this time to the Lord? Father God, I want to thank you for everyone, my dear friends, brothers and sisters, who are listening in today to your word from Scripture. Lord God, your word is so precious. Your word that carries not only truth, but carries the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that this love that comes from the Father, fullness of whom is in Jesus Christ, and the fullness of Jesus Christ is in each one of my dear brothers and sisters that you surround them with this love, that they may know that, Lord, you are there with everyone of them, even in the moment of great need, Lord, that you will never fail to forsake them, and you have everything in controlling your hands, Lord. And I pray that this moment itself, whatever the need they have, Lord, you know, I don't know, Lord, that you'll fulfill this need. Not in a way they expect, but, Lord, in a way that we may not understand, but, Lord, we will know in our spiritual self that you have fulfilled it, that you've answered that prayer, Lord. I know, Lord, that you do it because your promises are yes and amen. And I pray, Father, that their relationship with you, even from this day henceforth, will be one that loves truth. For the Lord Jesus Christ himself became flesh and came in the fullness of grace and truth. So, Lord God, I pray that your presence will go with each and every one of brother and sister even as we depart from this communion with you this morning. We thank you as we commit all this into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much everyone for staying on with us and just sitting in the shadow of the cross to listen to the word of God. I just want to wish you all that you stay safe wherever you are. Take care of one another and be well. Let me just pray a benediction and a blessing for you, over all of you. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and grant you shadow. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.